Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We are here for our eighth installment of Reformed in Texan. Uh, and we are going through TULIP, through the doctrines of grace here, as we unpack more of what it means uh, to be Reformed. So, of course, my name is Caleb Maltby. We are so glad that you could join us today. And to my left is Pastor Carl Miller. Carl, how's it going? Hey, doing fine, doing great. And, uh, Yep, this is going to be a lively discussion today. I think so. I think it will be. Yeah. So let's uh, let's dive right in. Um, we've got a couple of, of verses to kind of set the context of what we're talking about. Of course, the topic, if you've been keeping track, is unconditional election. Mm-hmm. It is the you in TULIP. Um, and this can be quite a hot-button topic uh, for many people. For many people, this is the reason that they are not Calvinists. Right. So, um, but we're going to try to show how um, this is not just some weird esoteric doctrine that Calvin came up with and we follow in his footsteps, uh, but that this is apparent all over scripture and it's actually a very scriptural proposition. So, um, in, in light of that, let's look to the scriptures here. Uh, we'll start in the Old Testament. Um, this is what... Um, uh, Deuteronomy 7 says, it says, For you, uh, speaking of the children of Israel, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. So here we are seeing the uh, election that God had for the people of Israel and why he chose them out of all the other nations. Um, and it was not for anything that were, was of themselves. They were not bigger and stronger than the rest. Um, but then, of course, that goes right into the New Testament as well as we see what uh, the, our Lord said uh, in the Gospel of John. In John 15, he said, you did not choose me, and he's speaking to his followers. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Hmm. So here again, we see we see election on, on two levels here in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. This is not something unique to one or the other. This is the way that God uh, relates to his people uh, throughout covenant history. Um, and so uh, let's just jump right into to what election really means uh, and what uh, we mean by unconditional election uh, and ask kind of the, the question that most people, I think, jump to just in that kind of gut reaction to uh, the concept of election and that is, uh, it, it seems kind of harsh, it seems kind of hateful that, uh, that God before all time would, would choose some people and not choose other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Carl, is that, is that really hateful for, for a loving God to do? Or is, is there something that we're missing here if we, we jump to that? Yeah, no, if we jump to that, um, we're missing the great and uh, wonderful mercy of God, right? And the love of God. Um, and again, kind of tying back into last week's lesson on total depravity, really as we work our way through the doctrines of grace, we, we need to really grasp total depravity. And if we grasp total depravity and we understand that, we understand that we're, we're sinners that are dead in our mm-hmm. trespasses and sins and that we cannot do anything, right, apart from Christ and his saving work, right? 
in us. And so um, as we consider election, um, then it's, it, it is all the more glorious and beautiful to consider the great work of God and the mercy of God to save anyone, mm-hmm. to choose anyone, um, because we were all uh, enemies of his in our uh, state of deadness and misery. Um, you know, we were justly under his condemnation. And so therefore, um, it is not a hateful act to for him to choose some and not others. It is a merciful act that he chooses anyone. And so then it fills us with joy and thankfulness as his people to know that he has chosen us, that we are of his elect, um, and, and we give him praise and adoration and glory for that um, because of what he's done. So uh, it's also, I think, helpful to understand it within his sovereignty, mm-hmm. right? And to, to understand that he is God and we, he is the creator, we are the creatures. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about in, in a few minutes about um, kind of um, how he elected us and when and all that. But, but, it, but it's, um, it's important to understand his sovereignty in this, in that this is God's sovereign act. Mm-hmm. He is God and he sovereignly chooses. He has full right and authority um, and power and, uh, to do so. And, and so, um, and again, it's not hateful, um, but it's merciful that he would pursue um, dead sinners and choose them and choose to make them his people mm-hmm. through Christ. Amen. And yeah. when we think about how uh, really the, the hateful thing is uh, that we rebelled against a holy God in the first place. Right. Um, it's uh, a merciful act that he would choose any of us at all to be saved um, and quite just of him to punish any of those who are continuing to rebel against him and against his rule and reign. Um, and so we, we kind of get a very self-centered uh, idea and perspective a lot of times when we think about these things. And of course, it seems hateful uh, to us uh, because we're on the receiving end of the ultimate justice uh, mm-hmm. if, we, if we die in our trespasses and sins. Um, and so it is... Um, uh, we we have to then really take a step back and think if, if if you are God and you made this world and yet your creatures are, are rebelling against you and you are holy and you have shown nothing but love and kindness and then you even show mercy in that um, that is more than just and more than right for God to uh, to do anything with his creation yeah. um, and um, uh, sometimes that's a hard hard pill to swallow because we can't ultimately have that perspective we are down here we are creatures mm-hmm. we only see a slice of, of everything that goes on and I know only a sliver of who God is and his justice mm-hmm. and his mercy and, mm-hmm. and how that all fits together but uh, we do know that he is well within his rights to do whatsoever he pleases with the creation that he has made um, and that uh in that, in what, in what he is well within his rights to do, he has chosen to be such a loving and such a uh, a merciful God uh, to his creation. So, um, of course, theologians have gone back and forth and back and forth on parsing all of that out and what it means. But I would encourage those who uh, who have a hard time with this one and have that kind of gut reaction uh, to really just 
to, to take a step back and to, to look at the scriptures and see who is this God that we're talking about and how does he deal with his people before jumping to the conclusion that he ought to be some way, that he ought to do something uh, either for us or, or for our free will or whatever we, we want. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I think, yeah, and, and to flesh that out a little bit more, it's um, when you see the dynamic and consider the dynamic of the elect and the non-elect, mm-hmm. those whom he chose and those whom he did not choose um, or passed over, that they, um, you know, one of the things that shows his love, if you consider Paul's words to the church in Rome, you know, one of the things that shows us his love and mercy and shows us his, his holiness and justice um, is considering the fact that there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor mm-hmm. and that um, considering the vessels of dishonor, um, as we look at the vessels of honor, um, it even magnifies all the more um, his love and his care and his mercy for his people. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that he would save anybody. But um, there is an aspect in that dynamic and contrast that um, is helpful as we're thinking about that. And I agree with you, Caleb. I think it's, it is a hard subject for many to, to consider, especially early on as they are uh, uh, kind of walking through the doctrines of grace, that um, you know, this is one that, that some get caught up on. But again, uh, hopefully, and, and by God's grace, you're able to see... Um, how the Lord um, reveals that this is truly uh, what he has done in the scriptures and um, can embrace that and praise him for it. Um, so anyhow, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's good. Yes. Now as we, as we move on, of course, election is not the only uh, word in the, uh, this uh, doctrine. was unconditional election. That's right. And so right. when we consider uh, that God elects, um, which is probably the harder part, uh, for some people to wrestle with, um, what what does it mean that he did so unconditionally? Well, I mean, what it means that he did so unconditionally is that it's um, there is nothing by which he looked at um, his creation and said, "Oh, they are going to do this, or they have this, or so." Therefore, I desire that in my people, and I'm going to choose them, or that he. Um, an analogy or an um, illustration that we, we use oftentimes is that he didn't look down the corridor of time right. you know, to see who was going to do good or do this or that and then choose them. Um, this was his sovereign choice. Scripture teaches us from before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. right? So um, it had nothing to do with what anybody would do in time. And again, taking us back to total depravity, Mm-hmm. Being dead in our trespasses and sins, we could do nothing. Right. We, we were dead. And so um, there was nothing to be done. It solely sovereign choice before the foundation of the world. And so, yeah, no conditions at all by which he chose, he chose his people. Right, exactly. I like how you tied that back into total depravity. Because if you say that it is because of some kind of skill that we have or anything of that nature, then you're saying... Uh, you are denying some form of total depravity, right? You right. are saying that there's something about us uh, that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or like you said, which is a, um, that God peers down the corridors of times and sees that, uh, that we will be a particular way, that we might be stronger or more holy or more wise. Um, or even as, as some are apt to say, 
um, that he even he didn't want to see uh, whether we were strong or wise or holy or anything like that. He we just wanted to see if we would choose him or not. Right. And so he looked down the corridors of time, being a timeless being, mm-hmm. and saw, oh yes, uh, Mr. Caleb Maltby will choose me on his twelfth birthday or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and so I will then, uh, in my grace, choose him as well. Right. Um, but. Uh, and that is actually quite a popular position among uh, many, many different uh, uh, sects um, and uh, denominations uh, throughout the Christian church. Um, but, uh, but that too, of course, that's, that's very wrong, isn't it? It is. It is very wrong because, um, again, there's, there's nothing to, to, put on the, to put on the plate, to put on the slate to say, oh yeah, there, there's something that they could do. No, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, it is all God's sovereign choice, um, period. And so um, we, uh, we are thankful for that. Again, um, we are joyful in that um, because it, it, it uh, shows us the greatness of our God, right? And uh, the work that he would do um, towards sinners whom he set his electing love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, there's another... Uh, kind of objection here that we see and I've heard this one uh, put forward several times and that is they will go to passages like the ones that we read today um, like uh, Ephesians 1 and 2 which make it abundantly clear um, as it uh, not only uses the word elect but says outright that it happened before the foundations of the world Um, and uh, they will look at that and the way that they interpret the word elect uh, is they try to use it to get around uh, our understanding of unconditional election. Um, and the way that it was posed to me once was that the, those that are elect, is the, it's really more like that there's a, a, a big bus called the elect bus. <laughs> and it stopped in your neighborhood. And if you step on, then everyone in the elect bus is chosen to go to heaven because that's the ultimate destination of the elect bus mm-hmm. but you have to step on mm-hmm. and so um so it's more like elect is a kind of an abstract term applied to a people and those people are the ones that chose god but then again does that really that that almost destroys what the word elect means doesn't it yeah and that would be uh insinuating or indicating or saying that we chose God, right? God did not choose us um, mm-hmm. first, and that um, again, that there that there was that little piece in us that was good that um, could make such a choice um, that we could see, um, you know, apart being apart from Christ, we could still see uh, uh, aspects of, of God that that were uh, favorable to us, and that we would desire to even get on such a, <laughs> uh, a bus, right? Um, but, you know, it's kind of similar. It reminds me of um, also uh, arguments or, or statements about passages, say, for example, in John 3.16, mm-hmm. that, you know, God so loved the world, right, that um, passages talking about um, whom he saved, right? And we're right. going to talk more about that next week when we talk about limited atonement, I'm sure. Right. Yes. But um, it connects, right? That, um, you know, really, um, who is in the picture here, right, as part of that 
that discussion. Who's in the picture here and why are they in the picture and how did they get in that picture? Um, and, and so again, it's, it's not that the, you know, the elect bus is coming down the street. Um, you better hop on. It's that, uh, God reached down and pulled you up out of the pit and mm-hmm. gave you new life in which you were dead and gave you new life. But he did so for you because he had chosen you, um, to be his child. And, um, um, and so it's all about him again, mm-hmm. uh, soli Deo Gloria, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about him. All the glory goes to him. It's nothing about us. And it's not that, nope, we, we decided earlier in life not to get on that bus, but we're going to catch the next bus, <laughs> you know, to do that. No, it's not about that. It's mm-hmm. not about that. Search the scriptures and see and verify that what we're saying is true. I encourage you. Um, and I, and I believe you will that, um, that with election, um, happening the way it, it has and how scripture teaches us, um, there's no way that we could support, you know, such a statement or, um, a thought. And, and, and if we are, or, or if you are right now, I'd encourage you to, to seriously study these things mm-hmm. and to, uh, to see what God's word says, uh, regarding his, uh, choosing of us. Right. The, the very fact that, uh, that Paul uses the word elect, um, uh, it, it doesn't leave uh, room for these interpretations, right? No. The word, when we, even our, I, I don't need to use the, the Greek word because it's translated so one for one so nicely into yeah. the English language because when yeah. we elect something, when we elect someone president, uh, we elect one person to the exclusion of all others. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, we're we're not saying that God chooses one one person or anything, but he does elect all those who will be saved to the exclusion of those that, that will not be. Right. And, and I mean, is, the word really means to mm-hmm. elect out of. Right. right. To take out. Exactly. To take out of. Yes. Um, and, and as we'll, we'll see how that, of course, that, that later how that plays into him setting people apart and, and there being a distinctiveness, a holiness about those people that he elects. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's, there really isn't once you start either toying with uh, what we called middle knowledge before or with this kind of uh, bus theory, um, both of these uh, just negate the, the, the proper use of the term elect. And there is no reason for Paul to use that word any longer um, if either of these things are true. That's true. Um, because it, uh, then God didn't really elect anybody. Right. We elected him. Right. <laughs> so right. um, it just doesn't doesn't square with the just the very common sense reading of the text and the way that it uh, these words are, are normally used or yeah. ever used. <laughs> right. And I mean, if you want to go back and search the scriptures, look at that verse that Caleb read at the beginning in John 15. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, those words in and of themselves knock such theories out of the park mm-hmm. or out of the water. So exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So, but then of course we get into more of the, the realm philosophical, of course. Sure. Um, because um, while uh, we can talk about election and we can talk about um, God's choosing people from before the foundations of the world, before they were ever created, um, the the idea of free will um, seems to be just jettisoned 
completely. The, and mm. Most people would say, well, if you're going to say that, then all we are is robots. We're, right. we're not... Automatons. Uh, we're just, yeah. Puppets. Exactly. Yeah. God's just pulling the strings behind uh, the, the curtain. And um, mm. it doesn't really matter uh, what we do. Um, but is that, is that what we're saying? Are we saying that there is no free will at all? We're just robots? No, absolutely not. No, uh, man has uh, free will, but his will is uh, tied to his nature, right? And so um, what man chooses, um, and so for example, um, man who is apart from Christ um, will, will never choose Christ, will never choose good things, will never choose to do what um, God considers to be truly good. Um, because his will is tied to his nature, but he does have a choice, and he makes choices every day. Um, and you know, and, and as we consider uh, those who are saved, right, are redeemed. Um, and by the way, the Westminster Confession of Faith has a great chapter on mm-hmm. free will that's very helpful in explaining this. But um, as as those who are redeemed. We, uh, we do, as, even as a uh, redeemed person who has a renewed nature, um, we are free to choose good, but we can also choose to sin and to break God's law, right? But, but he has freed our wills um, to seek after him and to follow him and to obey him as his spirit is working in our hearts and our lives by his grace. And so, no, we're not, we're not automatons. We're not robots. We do have responsibility mm-hmm. um, before God, right? And so there's the discussion of God's sovereignty versus man's responsibility, of course, in this, mm-hmm. um, right? And so, um, yes, um, so the free will discussion is, is there in those regards. Um, we could say a lot more about that, and maybe we'll talk about that here in a second. But also... Um, you know, keep in mind that free will is not in regards to salvation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Again, because of everything we've just said, even going back to total depravity again, we don't, we're not going to choose God apart from his saving work in us. So um, free will is not a part of that, is not a part of salvation, but um, yeah, we're not, we're not robots. Right. Exactly. And yeah, we, anything you want to add to that? Well, I think that it's, uh, and you, you started to bring it up uh, already, that, uh, um, that the Bible takes, speaks too, too much of man's responsibility for mm-hmm. us to, to adopt a very fatalistic um, or uh, mechanistic idea of man's will and his nature. Um, it's uh, it's a, a, a mistake on our part and, uh, to, to think that somehow... Uh, God's sovereignty on this issue, or sovereignty in all things, um, somehow alleviates uh, our responsibility mm-hmm. uh, to to choose the good and to to shun the evil. Yeah. Um, uh, and and sometimes I think that's it's very hard for us to to grasp on a philosophical level. Um, but the scriptures affirm both of these things so clearly, right? Um, that uh, that God is in total control. Of, of everything and very specifically in control of our salvation and yet um, man is responsible to love the Lord as God with all his heart his soul and his mind mm-hmm. and so um, we have to uh, it, at, at times we have to look at the scriptures and we have to say 
Lord, I don't know how these things comply, but they do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I trust you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, um, I think it was, it was Charles Spurgeon who, who said, or someone asked him, uh, how, do you, how do you reconcile God's uh, election and his sovereignty with man's free responsibility? Um, and, and Charles Spurgeon said, why should I reconcile bosom friends? Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, that they they both man's responsibility and God's sovereignty uh, exist both in the scriptures, and we must come to terms with that, knowing knowing and being ever grateful uh, for the salvation that we have in Christ, and that we did not choose, and that we were running from. Right. Um, but also getting up every day. Uh, praying to the Lord, praying to his spirit that he would strengthen us mm-hmm. to choose the good and to shun the evil and to mortify the flesh. Um, well, and if you think about it, I mean, God's law and his giving us of his law is a, is a great example of the reality of responsibility, mm-hmm. right? For he calls us to obey. He calls us to walk in holiness and godliness. And um, how do we know... Um, those, how do we know that way? How do we know what sin is? How do we know when we're breaking his law and not doing those things? Well, it's by looking at the law. The law shows us our sin, right? It curbs evil and it guides us in the way of righteousness, right? So it's, it's, um, it is, uh, uh, something that I think is important in this part of the discussion too, regarding man's responsibility, because, God does call us to obey him, and there are consequences when we choose not to, mm-hmm. and we sin against him, mm-hmm. right? Um, we, we are thankful that there is mercy and forgiveness in Christ, mm-hmm. um, but yet the, the call remains, uh, follow me and imitate me, mm-hmm. um, walk after me, and walk in purity and holiness. And so, anyhow, I think that that's a helpful thing to think about, too. Um, as we consider the law and uh, the gospel and the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Um, well, that brings us to a, another, another topic, too, um, and that is uh, if God has elected uh, some from the foundations of the world and some uh, not, some that he has elected to not uh, save, um, why, why should we then uh, even go about the business of evangelism? Yeah, well, um, so um, the elect do not have um, special beanies on their head or birthmarks <laughs> or, or beacons of light or blue eyes that are, you know, somehow indicating. I mean, I have blue eyes, but, <laughs> uh, but don't have blue eyes that are um, kind of like the people in Dune, you know, where, <laughs> um, where they, uh, they're the Muad'Dib or whatever, right? The, mm-hmm. It's just unmistakable to see who they are, right? Well, it's not like that, right? So the Lord does not tell us who the elect are. Um, It's not a secret handshake that he's somehow implanted in us or anything where we can make these types of recognitions. And so the free offer of the gospel goes out to all men, Mm -hmm. right? To all people. And uh, we are to take, that's why the the Great Commission calls us to take the, the gospel and to make disciples uh, to the ends of the world, right, and to um, and to call all men 
to repentance um, and faith in Christ, right? That, um, uh, and so we, um, um, we, since we don't have that knowledge, um, we preach the good news to everyone. Um, but what we also know to be true is, is that um, as God saves his people and as he calls the elect in to the church and, and um, he gives us repentance and faith and, um, and he calls us to walk in newness of life, um, we see the, the fruit of that mm-hmm. lively faith. You know, and, and in seeing the fruit of that lively faith, um, you know, then that gives us an indication and, and gives us confirmation through his word and the truth that he teaches us in his word as to, um, and the Spirit's work in and amongst us, we, we, know, um, we know then God's people, we know one another. Um, I, I can tell that Caleb is uh, one of the elect because I can see fruit of God's work in him, right? Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be there otherwise. Um, and so, um, you know, those, those are things that are, I think are helpful um, as we um, consider that. Right. And we are, um, of course, we do not have the, and we'll talk about this in a later podcast, we do not have the same kind of assurance right. of the salvation of others that we do for ourselves. Sure. Um, and uh, we, we, we very quickly affirm the assurance that and of um, an individual can have their own salvation, but um, like you said, we are we are looking uh, to others and the fruit that they bear in their lives. Um, but we all know, of course, that uh, that we all came from a place of being grave sinners that mm-hmm. we're not producing any fruit. So we can never know um, those who who will uh, be transformed by the renewal of their heart and mm-hmm. the preaching of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and those who will not. And so mm-hmm. we uh, continue to preach to those, even those that don't show this fruit, mm-hmm. um, so that uh, those that uh, are Christ's sheep will hear the call of his voice through the preaching of his word. Um, and um, so it is It is precisely because of this, this ignorance um, that we have that we can continue to uh, very confidently preach to all men mm-hmm. and uh, in, in hopes that uh, many will turn and many will be saved. Um, and so it's, uh, it's very, very important uh, that we, we do not confuse this election. We know that, uh, um, that there is a set number, mm-hmm. but we do not know who is in that set number, That's who right. is uh, elect. And so we continue to preach to all men, uh, knowing that in God's great love and his great mercy, he will call many home. That's right. Yeah, the wonderful... Uh, piece of that right is that God knows mm-hmm. God knows exactly um, who are his children mm-hmm. each and every one of us and so um, we can rest and and trust him in his knowledge that um, he is uh, he's fully uh, aware and knowledgeable of those things and so and that's that's truly what matters exactly exactly yeah. um, and so and of course it is it is a great comfort knowing that not that not only is God sovereign in this, but he isn't sovereign in all things. So that the fact that he, that there are all of those men and women who he has elected from the foundations of the world, wherever they may be, uh, he has ordained all things for the purpose of drawing them home. Mm -hmm. So that even to those who uh, we will fail to get to, that we will fail uh, even through our own sin to evangelize to or whatnot, um, we are still confident that God's elect will be called home. 
right. And so um, we do not have to to worry, uh, like those who, who reject this doctrine, that someone out there may never hear the gospel and therefore that they are damned to hell because we just didn't make right. it in time. Right. Um, it is not on us in that way. Of course, right. we, we fail and it is on us when we sin in any aspect of what the Lord commands us to do. And there are many, uh, many ministers of the gospel or many missionaries or people of that nature who have fallen on the job at times. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but blessed be God that he, he does not allow such sin to, uh, to snatch his elect away from him. That's right. And John um, chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it is a, um, a very comforting thing uh, to think about, uh, especially as someone who is, who is looking uh, forward to, uh, to ministry and wanting to preach to the people of God and to uh, spread his gospel uh, to a dark world, uh, that uh, it's not on me. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, and that kind of leads us to expand a little bit more on that question, Caleb. What, mm-hmm. How is it comforting that knowing even that one of our friends may not be elected all and therefore is um, justly condemned and doomed to hell with no chance of being saved? Is there any comfort in that? I think that there... Um... I mean, it's a, a comfort to me to, to not necessarily know who that, that friend might be. I have a right. friend, right? And uh, if I have a friend that is unsaved, and I have many friends that are unsaved, um, uh, it's, it is comforting to not know that they made a bit, uh, but there's no chance, right? right. I, I still pursue right. them. But at the same time, it is comforting to me to know that... Uh, that as I continue to reach out to, to some, I'm thinking of some in particular, um, that even though I feel that I'm being rejected and rejected and rejected by them and that it doesn't seem there's any chance or hope, um, that I know that it is not up to me to mm-hmm. save them. That as I, if I continue to, uh, to reach them with the gospel and to proclaim the truth, um, they may yet uh, hear that call. And it may not be at any time or any place that I will ever see until... I see them in glory, um, and uh, the Lord uses some uh, to uh, to plant seed, and He uses some to water. Uh, but ultimately, it is He that gives the growth, and it is not we're not up to us to to always see that journey. And uh, so, it is comforting though to know that God is guiding that person along that journey all the way. So, I continue to pray for many of my friends that are not saved, and continue to try to reach them. Uh, but uh, I'm comforted in knowing that it is the Lord that is, is yeah. ordaining all of this. Yeah, and, and kind of, uh, we'll talk more about it next week as we talk about the next um, letter in Tulip 2, because mm-hmm. these two are connected, right? But, um, you know, there may be some of you out there who have uh, children, um, who have friends, who have extended family members um, who are not saved, and the big question, you know, arises in your mind, well, um, will they ever? Are they of God's chosen people? And, and so the question of, um, yeah, indeed, how could the possibility that they're not be of any comfort? And I think Caleb did a great, uh, gave some great insight there, and even uh, from his personal experience and knowledge and relationships. And I would just say that, um, and... and you know, echo and say amen to uh, the reality that um, we rest in our sovereign God who um, uh, 
has ordained all of these things um, and who, um, who has his people um, in his hand and um, trusting in his promises, right? That his people will be redeemed, that they will be brought in. And like Caleb said, if, even if that um, uh, doesn't happen, maybe until uh, they're towards the end of their life or even on deathbed or whatnot, um, there's never an occasion to stop praying. There's never an occasion to uh, praying for them. There's never an occasion to stop uh, sharing the gospel mm-hmm. and telling them about Christ and telling them about the wonderful works of God. Um, and so, um, yeah, we, we need to continue those things again, knowing that God knows and that all will be revealed in his timing um, in that regard. And so that can be a great comfort to us because we're resting in him, not in our own selves, not in our own abilities, not in our own communication skills, not in our own um, persuasion skills or anything like that. We are, we're resting in him alone, which is where our rest and our trust always needs to be for all things. And, um, and uh, he will... He will make it known and, and he will make things known um, as to what their status in, in terms of being a child of his or not is. And so we can trust him in that. So, mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So uh, I'm so glad that uh, you could join us today as we, we talked about this, maybe this uh, difficult topic. Yeah. Um, and as we dive next week into limited atonement, I'm sure you will not uh, get any uh, less difficult. Right. Um, so tune in again. Yes. You wanna... <laughs> as we continue to unpack um, the sovereignty of our Lord. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we're so glad you could join us. Uh, if you are on uh, YouTube, if you would go and give us a like and subscribe for us, uh, that would be wonderful. If you're on uh, uh, Spotify, go ahead and subscribe there too. Um, and uh, we are just so glad that y'all could join us. If you want to give us any feedback, uh, you're welcome to email us at reformedandtexan at gmail.com, um, and we will be happy to answer any questions you might have. Um, but uh, for now, uh, the Lord bless y'all, and we'll see y'all next week. Yep. God bless. Take care. <laughs>